0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of WWA Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Mickelson, and for those of you not familiar with me, I am a romance book author and an advocate for causes such as cancer, autism, and lupus awareness. You can find my books on Amazon.com and other online retailers, and you can follow me on most social media platforms, including Twitter.com at Christy Books. On tonight's episode, I am joined by a very good friend who I recently met in Twitter Spaces. And for those of you that are not familiar with Twitter Spaces, it's basically like a big chat room or a big Zoom call with lots of people all over the world who discuss things that are similar in interest to them. So tonight, my guest is Chris Weekly, And like I said, we met on Twitter Spaces and he he caught my eye. He put down in the chat that he is autistic and as all of you know out there that my children are autistic and so I'm a big advocate for autism awareness. Chris, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Before we get started with my, my interview process, can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself?
1: Well, my name is Chris Weekly. Um, I live in Kansas. I am 49 years old I was diagnosed at age 32. Um, I'm 49 now, uh, 49 years young. Uh, I've been married 26 years uh, to an amazing woman who um, pretty much, uh, w- you know, helped me build really my my first big bridge to the world, uh, you know, pretty much. Um, ostracized and, and decided to self ostracize for the longest time. And, you know, you, sometimes it takes just that, that one person to kind of help you reach the world. So um, that is uh, a, a bit about me. I've worn many hats um, professionally um, system administration, system engineering, um, systems infrastructure you know, rollouts and builds and, you know, just all kinds of craziness.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that. And really quick, let's give your wife a shout out. 26 years is really awesome. My husband and I are going on 27 years this year, and that's really hard to do. Thank you. That's really hard to do these days. What's your wife's name? Let's give her a shout out.
1: Uh, Her name is Ivy.
0: Um, Hello, Ivy.
1: She's a veterinarian. Um, She does uh, mostly small animal. And uh, we have our own little kind of crazy zoo. It seems like we uh, end up adopting um, <laughs> really kind of the the misfit of toys, if you want. If you, you know, if you want to go back to the claymation, I mean, they're just a misfit group. But you know, we just love them to death.
0: Absolutely, and and that touches my heart because I happen to love animals with special needs. I fall in love and I cry at some of the shows when you see a little doggy in a wheelchair and stuff because that touches my heart big time. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Now, tell us about your childhood and some of the struggles you went through in high school.
1: So childhood is something that I I like to leave like real far behind because, you know, honestly, it was time-wise, but Jesus, uh, childhood was, uh, you know, it was a nightmare full of, you know, evictions. Um, sometimes not knowing where we were staying at night, abusive boyfriends, multiple abusive marriages. Um, as a kid, I heard, you know, even in the home, you know, I got used to phrases like, um, Chris is being weird or there's something wrong with him. And, um, You know, just a lot of times people just kind of, you know, pushing me away um, rather than trying to get me. So there was a lot of ostracization. Um, So, you know, I was just kind of really outside of the world, but, you know, just kind of trying to figure out, you know, where do I fit in this crazy globe? Um, In school, I had a lot of trouble Um, not because I, you know, was, was behind or lacking or anything. I mean, I, I would read my textbooks and go through that stuff and then just leave them in the locker and, you know, just be impatiently waiting to get to what I thought were the good parts. And so, you know, I, I, you know, I got in some trouble, you know, I kind of got referred to as, as the class clown in some, uh, some of the classes, um, I got bullied a lot. I was just this scrawny little thing. Um, I had trouble putting on weights. I mean, I didn't break a hundred pounds till I was probably in the tenth grade uh, oh, wow. in high school. So I was just this little guy, you know, just trying to to figure out, you know, everything around him with everything just looking, you know, so much bigger than me. Um, now the class clown thing was me leaning on humor kind of as a coping mechanism more than just trying to be funny. Um, it was, you know, trying to, uh, get rid of, you know, just trying to push, you know, trauma and, and just the downness and the constant, just, you know, beating my own self up, including, uh, in all of that and using humor to to try to live basically. Um, you know, to this day, I still, um, end up, you know, doing stuff that, you know, ends up being, you know, either embarrassing or embarrassingly funny. I mean, we were at a restaurant once, my my wife and I and and I think some other people and, you know, the gal comes over and says, "Would you like more cheese on your entree?" and and I said, y- "I need more cheese because I've had 3 days of loose stool and I'm just trying to keep my shit together." <laughs> <laughs> you know. Her re- Her response immediately was, I think I know how much. And I'm not sure if she, you know, kind of really realized what she was saying. But, you know, my immediate response to her was, you too? And she's (laughs) like, oh, God, no.
0: (laughs) At least you find humor in that. Because uh, personally, my son, he's in his young adult, he's 24, and has a very hard time getting people to understand him. And he's still trying to find his way in the world. And unfortunately, back when I was younger and raising my son, when he was getting bullied at school, I pulled them out and I homeschooled him, which I don't know if that was better or if it was worse, because now he doesn't have the social skills that he needs to survive. So right now, we're trying to work on that. And it's been tough. So any tips you can give would be great.
1: In in high school, I, I think I had like one friend or maybe two. And then they were just like, you know, acquaintances that that they had and so it was kind of like I stuck ultra close to those you know one or two people um because they were kind of my gateway to the world at the time um and I didn't you know I didn't really didn't realize that it was just kind of they they were like the few people who really kind of looked past you know things that were me. And really at this time, you know, through high school into early adulthood and all that, I had no idea I was autistic. So it was, you know, it was an unknown for me and everyone around me.
0: Wow. Thank, Thank you for sharing a lot of that, because I still, even though I've been raising my children for over 20 years and my husband is on the autism spectrum, it's still... So different. Everybody has their own different experiences with autism. So I want to thank you, first of all, for sharing your experiences. No problem. Now, in your own words, what is autism?
1: For me, autism is a lot like being, um, like in in the the Star Trek The Next Generation um, episode where Jordy and the security officer, I can't remember her name, they end up in this transporter mess up and they can see everyone and interact with it, but they can't interact with anything They're They're simply out of phase with, you know, with existence. And to me, it's a lot like that. Um, we're just a little, we're, we're out of phase with the world. Um, for me though I I think that I was gifted with what I refer to as a special lens uh, to look at the world there are a lot of finite details and and different things that um, that I can see that a lot of people won't catch um, and you know it's almost like that lens lets me get really close and uh, just about where I can be in phase with the rest of the world and 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 really be part of it, but I never seem to quite get there. Um, I do want to add for your audience who isn't familiar with autism that autism is a neurodevelopmental disorder um, that affects things like social interactions, behavior, communication, and, and many other things. But I don't like to think of it as a disability or a disorder. I really like to think of autism as just um, a group of people who just have have that uniqueness that um, isn't always visible when you you know just by looking. And I think that's a lot of problems with with the way people attribute autism is they expect to find something noticeable, but I can walk down the street every day and unless somebody really engages with me, they have no idea I'm autistic.
0: Absolutely. I get told all the time and, and truthfully, it, it kind of bugs me. I think, but your kids don't look autistic. Well, I'm sorry, autism is not a look. It's just a different way of thinking and a different way of learning. and Different way of living. I mean, we are all different in our own way. So, why is autism any different? I mean, I don't know what else to say about it, but it just bugs me when someone says, but they don't look autistic. I mean, I didn't know autism had a look.
1: So, about a year ago, I really decided to make a change about how I viewed people in the world. Now, it's everyone is a one of one and so they have their own individual uniqueness that's just different enough from everyone that i think makes them important it's just we we float through life right now in this day and age in a way where we just kind of in passing you know we're just like this little satellite that passes around a planet and just takes a few pictures doesn't really get to know it and that's the way i think people see other people just from the surface and for me personally people um, the smallest part about a person is their form, and the deepest part is what you get to know about their form, about them, and you know. Since we're all one of one, and there's only ever going to be one of us, I think you. The, I think there's a uniqueness there that that everybody has that that is just special.
0: Absolutely, I, I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation so much. You have no idea. <laughs> now, you were diagnosed at the age of 32. Tell us about how you were diagnosed. Like, what was the process?
1: Oh, so, <laughs> yeah, so this, um, so I was actually diagnosed probably 20 years ago, maybe just a little more. So we hadn't been married probably, I don't know, four or five years. And one day my wife just looked at me and she said, look, we need to go to the doctor and we need to figure out what's going on with you because, um, the, you know, you're, you know, there, there's just some things that I need to know. And I was kind of resistant at first because, you know, that, that first part of my life was, you know, uh, you know, I had, kind of come to accept that I was just, you know, different and there was nothing that was ever going to change that. And, you know, I had developed my own way of coping with it. And, you know, I I had learned to mask really well when it comes to, you know, being around people. But um, I can tell you that that masking a long time is, uh, it's it's freaking draining. So we, uh, we go to the doctor. My wife starts you know, talking to the doctor, doctor asks me some questions and then we end up referred to a a therapist. So we sit down with the therapist and, you know, we start talking. Um, I get asked some, you know, some questions about, you know, what I think, how I feel. And, you know, when, when you ask me how I feel, um, the answer is always probably going to be 95% of times. I don't know. Um, you know, a lot of times my wife will ask me that, so are, are you having a good time? No idea. Are you happy? No idea. <laughs> it's, it's just one of those things. I just, I, I can't, I can't put a finger on, you know, the, the inside, you know, kind of emotional process, but, you know, just the same as, as, you know, seeing something that is supposed to be emotional, a lot of times not, not getting it. So this, uh, Therapist says, you know, I think you're just really depressed. I'm going to send your doctor a prescription and and you're going to take these pills and things should get better. So, you know, keep going once a month to, you know, talk to the therapist. Nothing's really changing. And it's just, well, you know, let's try another medication. Fine. So try another medication. Um, Several visits later. You know, my wife just kind of steps in and goes, look, these aren't working. This, this is just not having an impact. And really starts to, to detail a lot more about what she's seeing um, in me day to day. So we end up getting referred to a psychiatrist. And so first visit, um, psychiatrist, you know, he asked me a battery of questions had me fill out a bunch of forms, had my wife fill out some forms. And, you know, then I end up with a job loss. And so it's, it's several months before, you know, I end up back at work. So, you know, probably five, six months. And so about, you know, eight months later, you know, we're back to the psychiatrist again uh, for a couple more visits and, um, then my wife goes and and has this big, um, what I'll refer to as an interview with the psychiatrist, and then uh, we come in and the psychiatrist says, um, uh, "I really believe that you have Asperger's syndrome." So We're like, "What the hell is that?" And you know, the first you know question out of my wife's mouth is like, "What do we do with this?" And When it comes to um, a diagnosis of being autistic uh, or autism, if you will, um, no matter where you are in the spectrum, it's not like a lot of other diagnoses. It's, it's, you have this, but there isn't, you know, there isn't anything that you can take that, you know, really helps you manage um, because it's so neurological. It's one of those things where, the best thing you can do is, you know, take and and really try to learn skill different sets of skills to to manage, you know, what's going on with you. Um, it's not like, you know, a disease, or it's not like anything that just go. Well, you go and you have this, and then you know, we we should be able to cure you. It's it's a lifelong thing, and at first, I can tell you. That deep inside, I just never wanted um, my family to be right about me. You know, I didn't want it to be, you know, there's just something wrong with it. I didn't want them to be right that there was something wrong with me, that I was weird or strange, um, because I just wanted to be a
0: person. So. Absolutely. And uh, everything you just said there is so familiar to me, because when my son was diagnosed. He said, I don't want to be strange. I don't want to be different. I just want to be a person. And so growing up, I have pretty much, and a lot of people have told me I was wrong for doing it, but I have pretty much treated my children just like any other child. They get in trouble just like any other child. They have chores just like any other child. What are your feelings on that? Should people on the autism spectrum be treated just as anyone else and still have to do chores and everything of a, a different child, you know, a regular child would have to do. What do you feel so, about that?
1: To me personally, I think, um, the world just really needs to get, you know, they need to, to look at, okay, so they're, they're autistic and they see and experience things in the world that are, that's different, but we live in the same freaking world. So, you know, it's, it's like, it's like anything else. I mean, We live in this age where the push for equity and and accommodation, you know, is all over, you know, everything, social media, the news they have, you know, days out of the year, they have all of this stuff going on. And yet, because I think autism is just so damn invisible that, you know, it just kind of go, you know, it's just overlooked completely when, um... Really, uh, you know, I think it's funny that there are a lot of autistics out there that that just say, you know what, we're just the next stage in mankind. And I go, huh, well, I didn't think of it that way. Um, and then you go <laughs> and then I go back and I, I I reread some of, you know, some of the old Marvel X-Men comics and I go, hmm, maybe I'm a mutant. I don't know, (laughs) but it does. But, you know, for me, you know, it, 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 doesn't matter. I, you know, I'm a person here on planet earth with everybody else, just trying to, to figure things out as best I can with the time that I have.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, back onto the autism spectrum, back when children, my children were younger. My daughter would go through meltdowns and if she didn't follow a specific routine, I would have toys thrown at my head. I would have all sorts of different, uh, outbursts of rage. Can you please, in your own words, explain what a meltdown is and what stimming is? Because those are terms that are thrown around that people don't understand. What are your definitions of those?
1: For me, um, Trust me, I've had plenty of meltdowns or, you know, some people refer to them as shutdowns. And uh, for me, when I am either either overloaded from a a sensory perspective or I have just tried to keep everything just bottled um, way too long... um, and, and it doesn't even have to, to be that. For me, a big example was learning that when we would go out, when my wife and I go out and and run errands and, and do different things, um she sometimes she would add something to the list. And before we leave, you know, there was always a list and I would go through my mind and I have this crazy internal clock. That says okay, it should only take this long. It's at these stops. This is how long it should take to get there generally. And so I'm calculating this time, this timeline that isn't actually realistic. But for me, it is. And you know, then we'll pull into somewhere else. And when this, you know, first, you know, before I was really able to to try to really manage myself. She would go, we're going to stop in here real quick. And I'm just like, what, why, what, what is, this isn't on the list. Everything is all thrown out and it's all chaotic now because my timeline has just gone to crap and, you know, and my routines, I have routines in the day and in the evening. And if something disrupts them, it is just, you know, it's kind of a, almost an end of the world thing. It's like, what do I do? Traveling is a nightmare because I can't pack the whole house up. So I have to try to figure out in advance, you know, to smallest things is do they have a proper coffee maker that I can, you know, put in a coffee that I like to have in order, you know, to to complete part of my, you know, really morning rituals. And... Um. In, in some of those cases you know the smallest thing like a change in 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 schedule due to making a, a stop you know I didn't know about it, it'll throw things in, into literal chaos and then I just sit there and you know with with meltdowns it I get to a point where I just I, I close off I can't you know I can't move I can't talk and the, the worst part about it is I know, how disturbing and upsetting and it, it is for my wife and, and anyone else who's around us. And, you know, but on the inside, for me, I can hear and see everything that's going on, but I'm unreachable, but I don't have the capacity in those moments to reach out um, either. And so it's kind of like I'm trapped um,
0: does that cause a frustration for you when you feel trapped like that? Like, how do you, I guess the and it's not process. Like, I, again, my daughter would throw toys at my head. Do you have any fits of rage or anything that you go through?
1: You know, I did. And it would be, you know, really kind of flailing, uh, flailing around, yelling, screaming, um, um, and, and, you know, and those were the ones where you know um, I, I was probably asking you know for a timeout or a, a help wrong. But you know I've had meltdowns where I just don't talk, I won't talk, I won't respond, I won't look. And I know exactly what's happening around me. but you know again, just it's, it's kind of that, that trap thing where you know um, you're kind of like you're in a cage with no door but you have no idea how to leave.
0: Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Now that my daughter is older, her meltdowns have gone from throwing things at my head to a very steady thing of crying. She's very, very, very emotional. She's 22, well, she'll be 22 in a few days. I think she's 22, but her mentality is that of a six-year-old. So if we're not watching SpongeBob at a certain time, that. Routine is now thrown off and she goes into her meltdown. And so she just cries and cries and cries. So your uh, perspective of it is actually giving me a little more insight. So thank you on that.
1: Yeah. So going into stimming, um, stimming is uh, for those who don't know, it's really um, uh, stimulating behavior um, that, it's pretty much involuntary. It's just something that autistic people will just do, whether it's uh, making sounds, whether it's a uh, physical movement, um, you know, one limb, multiple limbs, do it, you know, um, for me, um, when uh, we would go to movies, um, we, you know, during intense action scenes or, or something, my breathing would change. and, My wife was really thrown off by that, Um, you know, even after we were married, um, uh, it started to make more sense, you know, after the diagnosis, Um, you know, when we were first dating and um, we were driving, you know, we, you know, we were, you know, even shortly after marriage, we, we, you know, be be driving and, and this even happens today if there's a lot of traffic, my left leg would just move back and forth. And so the first several times that she noticed that she'd be like, would you have to pee? I'm like, no, why? So (laughs) her leg is just moving, like, you know, like you need to be somewhere. And, and I'm like, no. And, um, so, um, but with stimming it, you know, it can be a variety of, uh, of different things and it's not just, you know, um, people stimming in a certain way. I mean, Autism in general, it, you know, it's such a wide spectrum. But um, the even bigger part of it is that it isn't a one size fits all thing. And I and I think that is also a very large hurdle that um, the world just hasn't, you know, taken on the challenge yet.
0: Absolutely. Now you said stimming is a way of like self stimulatory. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get my words out here. Now, my daughter, when we're on a long car ride, she'll flick her fingers. Would you consider that to be stimming?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: And, you know, it's it's a way to really release energy when we can't.
0: Everyone has their own strengths and weaknesses. That's what makes us unique. It's what makes us human. What are your strengths and weaknesses as a person?
1: As a person... um, probably my biggest strength is being able to step into or be given uh, a task or or line of work where I don't have um, a lot of knowledge or, or maybe even no knowledge. And I can turn it into uh, a special interest, um, something that um, I just, you know, begin to hyper-focus on. Um, i end up digging understanding learning knowing it down to you know its origin basically um being able to take on something that i don't know a lot about and uh really be agnostic as to what you know how a person would feel about it and just go okay this is this is for me i have been given this and um I think on the inside, I really treat it as you know someone selected me out of you know everyone around me to take this on, and for me, it's an it's an honor. Um, no, really, no matter what it is, um, I, I've done a lot of that in IT work, um, things that people just didn't want to learn about, they didn't want to do, they didn't want to take on, thought maybe it was mundane and dry. I don't have mundane or dry. Uh, for me as a person, everything is about, um, it's something new. It's something new, um, that I didn't know. And then I get a chance to know it. And, um, so that, that's pretty much probably my, my, my best strength. Um, when it comes to my biggest weakness, probably, um, categorically, it's gotta be, um, too many people in a room where it gets too busy uh, or too loud. Maybe even um, there's too much going on. You know, with with the lights, um, those things um, they wear on me pretty quick. And if I don't have a place where I can go to that that you know is, is quiet, where it's really devoid of people um, to kind of reset myself, um, that's really where you know, things get, you know, put to a point where I might shut down or, or even melt down. Um, if I just don't have a place I can go to, to kind of recenter myself, if you will.
0: Absolutely. I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I can't handle loud TVs. I can't handle bright lights. They, they bug the hell out of me. And I have to be, my room is my she cave and it's my quiet area. It's my bubble. It's my safe bubble. And I come in here and I just reset myself. So I'm I'm in a lot of ways the same way.
1: When it comes to sound um, and and hearing, you know, I'll hear and pick up on things that, you know, most people would generally would not. Um, However, you know, being hyper-focused on something, um, it really kind of turns it around the opposite way. I can't hear anything. anything happening in the world and, and sometimes it really drives my wife crazy I and mean, she be a holler and holler and holler and <laughs> she's like, What is going on? I I'm yelling, you know, I've been hollering at you for a few minutes now and it's nothing. And it's the same with requests. If I'm in the middle of something that I am interested in, the requests just get ignored. And and uh, to me I think it can make her seem kind of ignored or, or even belittled. And You know, it was never my intention.
0: My son's the same way. Uh, he, He can't handle the sounds of dogs barking. He cannot handle the sounds of turtle, the turtle scratching on the tank. But when he's really focused in, like he's, he's obsessed with WWE and indie wrestling and all the things that we do. If he's paying attention to that. Nobody else matters. Nothing else matters. I can yell at the top of my lungs and it's like I'm being ignored. So I I get your wife 100% on that. Now, there is a lot of debate or as some would say, some backlash about autism being symbolized by a puzzle piece. How do you feel about that?
1: Uh, For me... Uh, On on how I feel about things, it is, um, it's one of those things where, and and maybe it's just you know, um, me still trying to to discover you know kind of the ability to feel, um, you know, spending half my life you know just really kind of devoid of of really doing. You know anything like that? I mean, survival was just my primary goal uh, above all things. Um, So, uh, and and I tend not to 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 delve too deep into um, you know a a lot of things. I'm learning to get better at that, to be more engaged. Um, But uh, when it comes to to the to the puzzle piece. you know, really dates back to 1963 over in you know Europe, or not Europe, but uh, over in uh, England. Um, this piece was originally designed by a guy named Gerald Gasson, um, who was a parent and board member of the National Autistic Society out of London. Now, back then, the puzzle piece wa- was uh, also accompanied with a crying girl, a child, um, really symbolizing that autistic children were handicapped by a puzzling condition. And, um, where it gets really contentious is that an organization back in 2005 called Autism Speaks adopted that symbol, but they changed some, you know, some of the coloring, some of the aspect of it, um, Uh, And when it comes to Autism Speaks, there's a huge debate on both sides as to, you know, how helpful or unhelpful uh, that they are. Um, I have, you know, I did a little bit of reading on this. And um, for me, a new behavior, you know, a new way to, to modify behavior or a new medication um, honestly, you know, and this is just me speaking, um, it really doesn't do it for me because um, I have learned over the years that, you know, when it comes to um, being autistic, you know, autistic people have some amazing gifts of, you know, attention to detail, textures, an insight level that really just eclipses a lot of the the regular world, you know. I tried, um, you know, mod, you know, trying to modify my behavior, but um, you know, it just hit me as an epiphany one day. I was like, "Well, shit, I'm, all, I already modify my behavior on a daily basis by masking, you know, just tucking my real authentic self away um, and mimicking." You know what I'm seeing people do around me. You know, and, and completely, you know, um, really making my you know I, it's this false persona that you know a lot of autistic people wear. And if we're already changing for the world, um, this sent this seemed like you know mod you know behavior modification seemed like the whole message that I had since I was a kid is that there's something wrong with you. And honestly, I really think it's high time that the world stop making autistic people carry all the weight. Just meet us halfway.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, what is one thing you want our listeners to know about people with autism?
1: What I'd like listeners to really get out of this is that autistic people we are not robots. You know, we feel, we have emotions like every other person. Um, We're not devoid of them. Our expression of emotion and feeling is, is different. And I don't, you know, I think that's okay. Um, Like I said earlier, we, we just would like to be met halfway. You know, we shouldn't have to carry all of the water, um, uh, for something that we didn't actually choose. Um, you know, you have, you know, ramps for people in a wheelchair. How about, you know, what we're asking for is just looking past it enough to really understand who we are as a person. And honestly, that's not much to ask because that's really what everybody wants on the inside if they're honest with themselves. Um Autistic people, um, and this is really for, for companies and corporations, if they would just take the time to adopt policies and really do some hard research on working with and partnering with autistic people when they bring them in to set up an environment that really unleashes their, uh, their full potential, uh, they would find that their autistic employers or employees uh, are heads and above more effective and more productive. We can we can, with the ability to hyper focus on things like we do. You give us something, you let us go with it, and you give us the ability and in the, in the environment that we can go our best and hardest on. You're just not going to find people like that in the world that that can do what we do and that might sound kind of biased and I just don't care.
0: Absolutely. You have every right to say what you need to say and I agree with you. There are too many like we have a hard time. Again, my children are in their 20s. We have a hard time with anybody wanting to let my children come in and and work and try to make a, a reasonable life for themselves. It is so difficult in today's world and I applaud you for saying that on air. I I applaud you 100% for saying that because people need to hear it.
1: And, you know, from a social perspective, I also want to add that taking the time to get to know someone who's autistic, um, and, 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 you know, get, you know, get past that and, and do a little homework if, if that's what it takes, because if you do you will find that autistic people will be the most honest and most loyal friend that you will literally ever have in your life.
0: Absolutely. Now, speaking of friendship, did you find it harder to make friends since you've been diagnosed or is it easier to let people know that you have autism? Like how do you go about making friends in today's world?
1: Making friends in, in today's world, whether it's, you know, pre or post, um, diagnosis is still, you know, relatively challenging. Um, you know, meeting new people, you know, I'm going to mask up, you know, it's not, it's not a way that I would choose to go. And, and from a, you know, mental and even physical health perspective, it's, it's one I probably shouldn't do as much, but, you know, it's one of those things where it, it's a gradual process to, to not do that so much. But the level of acceptance and rejection um, is, you know, and more rejection from that standpoint. When you think you know somebody and you you've hung around with them long enough that you can start to let down your mask a little bit, it's it's a huge gamble because um a lot of the times from my own personal perspective, um, there's, you know, it's just rejection. They're, they're just like, ah, Jesus, you know, I had no idea you were like this. And, and so nowadays when I meet people, um, and, and it's still kind of an unknown, um, Mm -hmm. you know, when I meet new people, I'm just like, you know, hi, I'm Chris, I have autism and, you know, I still get the blank stares. They're like, have no idea what to do with that. They're they're unprepared, um, and for me, no amount of reality TV or TV programs or movies, um, you can't really depend on that to try to prepare you for actually meeting somebody who is autistic. It, it's like I say, it's something the world kind of needs to kind of step up a little bit.
0: Absolutely. Now, I have firsthand experience with my son on this next question, but some people with autism also deal with depression and anxiety. Do you deal with either of these? And if so, tell us a little bit about it.
1: So we'll start with anxiety. Um, Learning to manage anxiety um, is an ongoing process that's, you know, it's just going to, it's just going to you know, be a lifelong thing. Um, one of the big things for me is, is going out. Um, when, uh, when I go out, um, get in the car, I will um, start to think about, you know, um, where do I need to go first? Which should I go first? Uh, a lot of things like that. Um, there are points in time where, um, just getting out to the car, backing out of the drive, maybe making it a block, you know, the anxiety gets to be too much. I end up, you know, kind of blowing up a little bit, pull back into the drive, get out, go in the house. And my wife, a lot of times will end up, you know, just having to go without me. And, you know, I understand that it's not fair to her. Um. It doesn't, you know, happen as much as it used to, but, you know, the imperfection of life means that, you know, at some point it will happen. Um, for me, getting to a point where um, my mornings, I spend the first two hours of my mornings, and I've done this for probably a year now, where the first two hours of the morning are devoid of people. And I slowly start to bring them in, and doing that has really helped with being able to cope with the rest of my day. I look at my schedule, um, how much engagement might I have with people, you know, in that day. Um, but those first two hours of just not having. People around have been really monumental in helping me just really mentally prepare, Um, and that's you know that's something that I I would encourage any autistic person to do is is have a couple of solid hours back to back if you can you know as often as you can to not have people but really take the time to go over what am I doing today where are where the possible engagements going to happen and then. You know, just prepare about um, what challenges you might have in those engagements and role play in your head if you need to. And for me, it has been, you know, a pretty good breakthrough. When it comes to depression, um, that one is where I struggle the hardest. when. I, when I know that I'm probably getting depressed, I do the exact wrong thing. I pile on, you know, work items and other things to stay busy enough that I don't have to deal with myself, which is a stupid thing to do. And then it gets to a point where it all eventually just bubbles over. And, you know, then I just break, um, I get loud, I get angry, and then, you know, that's when it all comes out wrong. You know, even, you know, saying, you know, I need a hand comes out awful. Um, Over time, my wife has been able to kind of pick up on kind of my posture um, and my behaviors. And kind of get to that point where it's like, hey, um, you need anything? You want me to maybe go pick up, you know, some dinner, or lunch, or or something. Um, the one thing that um, isn't um, isn't used often is, is, do you need help? And the whole, do you need help? Um, we found out <laughs> what really set me off. It's like help. What do you mean? Do I need help? I'm fine. I have everything. I know how to do this. Well, again, those are responses that are highly defensive. Um, but uh, you know, on the undertow of it was like, you know, I'm you know I'm swimming without a life jacket and I'm tired. But being able to e- express that there is something wrong is just epically almost impossible when depression reaches, you know, that critical level. Um, you know, for me, um, I stupidly treat it like, you know, I've been down this far. I can dig my way back out again when I don't have to dig my he- my way out. I can just reach and somebody will pull me out. But to this day, I still haven't got that. And, you know, my wife, honestly, I, she's probably my guardian angel in disguise because, you know, even at the darkest times, she has been able to, you know, find a way. And to me, it's kind of otherworldly that she has.
0: I think that is absolutely wonderful to be perfectly honest with you. And I'm trying not hard not to get emotional because your words speaking about your wife are very beautiful and that's really hard to find in today's world. Let's talk about love on the spectrum for a minute. Is finding love difficult when you have autism? I've heard that some adults with autism have troubles when it comes to dating because others hear the word autism and shy away from the relationship. Tell us your experiences with dating.
1: Um So I want to start with that, relationships, um, a lot of times, most of the time begin with friendships. And so, I feel for autistic people, the, the whole, ch- you know the whole risk and gamble of acceptance and rejection is is on an epic level that I, I just don't think most people, Understand at all. I mean, you, you think rejection at, at, you know, for a neurotypical person is bad. It's way worse for someone with autism because, again, like I said earlier, we already feel like we're out of phase in the world. And then it's like we momentarily get a chance to be a little more in phase. And then when that rejection happens, it's not just. We're pulled back, but we pull ourselves way back and to a point we're even further out of phase. Um, for me, um, I hadn't been, uh, in, been diagnosed yet. And dating was, uh, you know, kind of, it was already odd enough um, because I had started to. Under you know, I'd started to mask. Didn't know what masking was, but I I'd started to pick up on things, and and certain cues um, with couples and people I'd seen. But then also, um, remembering the words of of my grandmother, and you know, she had always been you know since I was a kid, it was. You know, women are treated this way, women are treated this way. You know, you you do this and you do that, you do these particular actions. And she was very, very stern on that. And so it was kind of like what the hell what the hell do I do? So um for me it was dating was kind of it was weird, uh, because I only dated one. You know, one girl before I met my wife, and um, even then, when we go do things, um, it was not doing anything where there was a lot of people, where there were crowds. It was, it was, you know, very um, not secluded, but very quiet, and um, and we're still very much friends her and I, uh, you know, and her husband and all of that. In fact, um, the four of us spent New Year's Eve together and talked and and had a good time. And, you know, she said, you know, I had gone back and thought about us and it was like, you know, the fact that you're autistic really started to make sense a few years ago um, (laughs) on, you know, going places that were not overly crowded or busy. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) <laughs> so later when I met my wife and, and we started dating, um, at that time I was uh, working out a lot and I had a huge appetite. And so, you know, I just, you know, eat like a horse and it was no problem. But, you know, I kept hearkening back to the, to the words of my grandmother because my wife is is quite a bit older than I am. And um, I didn't want to embarrass her and I didn't want to embarrass myself Uh, and really shame myself. So I ordered, you know, as much food as she did uh, on the first date. And I remember I left the table, you know, we went to go to the movie and I'm like, God, I hope she didn't hear my stomach. Uh, You know, that was my biggest concern. I was was, like ravaging hungry. I'm like, man, this is not enough. But, you know, and I ate much slower and I was just like, what's wrong with me? And, you know, it must've been love, I guess. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's completely awesome, though. I absolutely love that story. Um, we're, we're starting to run a little short on time because I only have so much time to do these. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and skip ahead a little bit. I understand you have a YouTube channel that you're building. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: So my little fledgling YouTube channel uh, is called Logical A Meets World. Uh, the A really means, you know, autism. Uh, premise of the channel is is kind of half education, kind of half how uh, I see the world, kind of from a logical perspective. Um, you know, I've I've got you know maybe eight nine videos out. Uh, I've got some shorts out. Um, there are a lot of great voices out there on YouTube championing autism, and you know, I just decided to add mine. Um, you know, I I haven't really edited yet. Um, still doing a lot of things wrong, um, with, with all of that, um, still scared to death of recording, um, uh, going to do some, some different things though, where my wife's going to, going to film some of, uh, next month where we're traveling to Florida. Um, so that'll be a different perspective, but, you know, and I said, just, you know, just hit the record, you know, whether, you know, it's a good moment or whether, you know, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. Um, because I don't think it's about, uh, you know, it's real life and life doesn't have a pause or an edit button. And I figure, why should these videos?
0: Absolutely. You said you're going to Florida. What part?
1: Uh, we're going to um, kind of, um, we'll be on the uh, the Gulf side, kind of on the, the northern part, not um not the panhandle but kind of close somewhere in between that
0: awesome we vacation out in Orlando a lot we like to go to Gatorland and Disney World and the kids absolutely loved it so if you're in that area and if you haven't been to Gatorland it's a lot of fun and it's pretty quiet in some areas so you you might enjoy that all right I'm going to go ahead and conclude this but first before I do Chris, is there anything else that you want our listeners to know or to take away from this show tonight?
1: Um, I really want people to understand that autism is lifelong. It's not something we grow out of. Um, what looks like a childhood tantrum isn't, um, it's a meltdown. Um, I can be, um, you know, honest to a fault, um, even distant. or or come across as cold, uh, or even defiant. But, um, you know, I live in the same world as you do. Um, just my perspective is a little bit different. And, um, if you, if you take the time, you know, take a breath, uh, in this fast paced world and, and get to know people like me, um, there's, there's some hidden treasure there that I think you're missing.
0: Absolutely. And I can tell our listeners that I have absolutely learned a lot tonight and I have enjoyed every single inch of this conversation, including our technical difficulty. I'm glad you were able to <laughs> laugh with me on that. And I know my producer is absolutely wonderful and he'll be able to help us with that. But I want to thank you. Thank you so much for joining me tonight.
1: Well, it was it's a big honor. This is my first podcast and um yeah it's kind of uh still pinching myself you know until <laughs> until i get to until i hear it when it airs I, i'm still kind of in disbelief a little bit um <laughs> this is an amazing amazing moment um for someone like me it it's just a big freaking deal for me
0: absolutely and i i'm hoping that more, you'll get more exposure and who knows I, i'm friends with a lot of podcasters you may get hit up by a few more who knows
1: well, tell them I'm available, you know, just, okay. All you podcasters out there who listen, uh, you know, I'll come on your show too. I don't have a problem with awesome.
0: that. Awesome. All right, everybody, as always, I'm going to close down the show by reminding everybody the same thing I remind you each week. And that is every day people are facing things that we don't always know about. Sometimes people are battling depression. Sometimes people are battling problems at home, or maybe they have special needs that we're unaware of, and they need time away from all the chaos in the world. Maybe they don't have a voice to stand up for themselves anymore. So it's up to us. It's up to us to be kind to one another. It's up to us to stand up and be the voice for one another and say, you know what? I like what you said. Chris, you touched my heart. So thank you. I enjoyed everything you said.
1: Thank you. And you're, uh, what you're doing is absolutely amazing. And uh, just keep doing what you're doing, Christy. Um, again, this has been a real honor and, and privilege. And I really hope that uh, your listeners come away um, little with a little more knowledge. And um, uh, I'll just leave it at that.
0: Awesome. And thank you for your kind words. See, I needed to hear something like that today. All right, everybody, be kind, be the voice, and let's be the change. Be the one to make a difference. You might be the one to save a life. Good night, everyone.